0: Welcome to Addicted to Busy, the podcast specifically for overachieving property managers who are dying for a little more work-life balance in their lives. Each week, we dismantle all the BS that holds us back. You'll learn how to nix those tricky self-sabotaging habits so that you have the time, energy, and motivation to create what you really want in life. If you're looking to shift from overcommitted to overjoyed, this is the podcast for you. Let's do this. Now your host. Anna Haviljana. Hello and welcome back to Addicted to Busy. I, as always, am so excited to be here. I was just talking with one of my coach friends who is considering starting a podcast and I was telling her of all of the business tasks that I have every week, this is one of my favorite ones is writing these episodes, recording them, sending them out to you, and then connecting over our shared experiences. I just got back from doing another public speaking event in Houston. This was round two with Boma Houston, and I gotta say, their membership shows up. The event was packed and it was at this beautiful country club downtown. I was really, really honored to be with everybody. Since this was my second round down in Houston, I'm actually getting to know more people. And it's wonderful to be able to walk into a room and have a familiar face. I even ran into someone who I had met years ago at the Iram Global Conference in Florida. So while property management is a big industry, it's also kind of a small industry. Before we get started today, I wanted to share some wisdom from one of our podcast listeners. Her name is Erin, and she wrote in from Ohio, and she says, This is good stuff. It took me many years, but I have finally learned how to have good work-life balance. It's tough because I co-own my business, so the buck stops with me. However, I'm now investing my time in hobbies and activities that fulfill me on a personal level, and I fiercely guard my evenings and weekends for my family. There are always going to be emergencies that come up that have to be addressed outside of normal business hours, but I don't answer non-emergency calls, texts, or emails at night or on the weekends anymore. If there's an evening that I work late and I'm responding to emails, I may write them, but typically schedule them to not send until business hours the next day. I don't want to give the perception that I am working on and accessible for non-emergency matters 24 seven. Having those boundaries has made me a better property manager. Thank you, Erin, for writing in. The speech that I gave in Houston was all about setting boundaries. And when I give this particular presentation, I tell people over and over again, that doing this work is not going to feel good at first, but it does feel amazing later and Erin's words are proof that this is all worth the work. Alright, so let's hop into today's topic. To kick this off, we've got to clarify that the reason why we want anything at all isn't necessarily for the thing itself. Oftentimes we just want that thing because of how we think it will make us feel when we get it. I'll give you a couple of examples. It's not always the weight loss that we want. It's that we want to feel confident or comfortable. It's not just about the money in the bank. It's about getting the feeling of security. And it's not just about getting the promotion. It's the feeling of recognition or respect that we crave. The problem with this type of thinking is that a lot of people won't allow themselves to be happy until they have that thing that they want. The other problem with this thinking is that if we assume that once we have that thing, that then we can be happy, and if we forget that life is both a mix of positive and negative, we end up setting ourselves up for disappointment when we finally get the thing and we're still not immune to feeling negative emotion. I'll give you an example from my personal life. You have probably heard me talk about this story multiple times, but I used to sit about 25 pounds heavier than I do right now. And I idolized weight loss for so long. I had this assumption that if I could just lose weight that then I would feel better and that I would feel more confident. I also assumed that it meant that going shopping for clothes would be easier and fun And I thought that I'd be more confident and command more respect, but not all of that happened. Yes, I did feel more comfortable. Yes, I did feel more confident. Yes, the experience of buying clothes changed, but as it turns out, buying clothes wasn't any easier. It was still a complete crapshoot. I would try things on that just for whatever reason did not fit my body. Losing weight doesn't mean that everything that you put on is gonna fit perfectly. It still means that certain things you try on aren't gonna fit right and that you're gonna have to keep looking. Likewise, while I did feel more confident, I also felt a little bit more insecure in some senses because as I started to lose weight, people would openly question what I was eating, which was wildly uncomfortable. So yes, the process of losing weight did create some positive emotions, but likewise, it still created some negative ones as well. Another place that I saw this was when I was seeking out promotions in my career. I remember when I started as a leasing agent, I was broke and I really believed that getting a better title and a better paycheck would remove my pain. Sure. There were certain things that were easier as far as it pertained to paying my bills or taking trips or buying clothes but other things got worse when i received the promotion i had more responsibility i had a team of people to take care of and all of those people had opinions about how i was doing things so yes i certainly felt better in one sense but worse in another now This isn't to say that this is all for nothing. It's not to say that going after a goal isn't worth it. It is to say that you need to be clear that getting the thing that you want will allow you to feel a certain way, but only for a period of time. Feelings are generated by the thoughts that we think, and we can choose to think intentionally, which means that to some degree, We can also choose to feel certain emotions with intentionality, right? This is why in meditation or yoga, or before certain events, people might ask you to set an intention. The question is, why do you have to wait until you have the thing before you start feeling the feeling? Do you? And I think that the answer is no. We've oftentimes heard people say to fake it until you make it. Or maybe you've heard someone encouraging you to act as if you already have the thing that you want. And this is the exercise that I want to explore with you today. Intentionally faking it until you making it and acting as if you have already achieved your goals. There is a big difference between going after a goal from a belief that says, I cannot be happy until I get this versus going after a goal from a belief that says, I know I have it within me to do this. So say, for example, that you are going after a promotion because you want more money and you really believe that having more money is going to solve your problems or make you feel better. If this is the case, your actions are more likely to spark from a place of neediness or desperateness. And no matter how good at hiding it that you think you are, others can smell that from a mile away. If you're looking at a promotion as a way to make you feel better, you are more likely to show up frantically or anxiously and you are likely to be worried about competition. This comes back to the scarcity mentality versus the abundance mentality. With the scarcity mentality, we don't believe that there's enough to go around for everybody. We worry that if somebody else gets the promotion that we want, that there will be less for us. Ironically, the scarcity mentality has been proven to limit your brain function. So when you're going at your goal through this mindset, You're entering in with a lowered ability to solve problems and be logical and plan ahead. If you want to hear more about this, make sure that you check out episode number 19, How to Use Money to Overcome the Scarcity Mindset. I talk all about this and I will link it in the show notes for you now let's go to the other scenario here on the flip side let's imagine that you're going for a promotion but you are going to fake it until you make it and assume that that promotion is as good as yours you are going to have a very different experience of getting to your goal first of all you're not going to be wrestling with the scarcity mentality which means that you're going to be in a better mental space to show up as an amazing manager When your brain isn't festering on not having enough money, that means that you will have more bandwidth to problem solve. That also means that you're gonna have more patience to give your difficult tenants, and you'll have more energy in your life outside of your property. When you believe that the goal is as good as yours, you aren't going to worry about competition and fester over what other managers are doing. Listen, I know that this industry is competitive. I get it. And I'm not implying that you shouldn't be competitive. What I wanna be clear about is that wasting your time thinking about your competition does not actually make you more competitive. Think there's a quote that says, worry pretends to be important. And the same thing goes with being overly concerned about who else might be vying for the same position. You cannot control them, you can only control yourself. So you might as well put all of your energy into you. When we talk about living as if the goal is as good as yours, I think a lot of people resist it because they know that they can't fully control their outcome. They know 100% that there is a chance that they don't get this promotion. And because of that, they block themselves from stepping into this belief. But here's the thing. Yes, you may be disappointed if you don't get the promotion that you want, but at least you got to enjoy yourself in the pursuit of it. Keep in mind when we are approaching our goals from the mindset that we can't feel good about it until we have it, that's where we're stepping into the scarcity mindset and we're worried about the competition and we're showing up anxiously. When we approach the pursuit of our goals from the idea that they're already ours, that's when we are dropping the brain drama about who's gonna get the promotion and who is not, and we're reinvesting all of that mental bandwidth into being an amazing manager. Keep in mind, disappointment is a part of life. I see this time and time again where a manager will have a goal or something new that they wanna try and they won't allow themselves to go after it because they're afraid that they will fail and that then they will feel bad. But if you're just trying to prevent a negative emotion, you'll live your life in a way that prevents you from also feeling the positive emotions of success. What would be different about your life if you were not afraid to just feel disappointment? When it comes down to faking it until you make it and acting as if the goal is already yours, it's a requirement that you know how to handle your own disappointment. Again, the whole purpose of acting as if you've already reached your goal is so that you can have a better experience on the way to achieving it. When I say act as if the goal is guaranteed, People might fear that assumes that they will become arrogant or delusional, and that's not what we're after. In the example of getting a promotion, I'm not saying that you should go walk around telling people that you got a promotion when you haven't. That is a surefire way to get a demotion. But what we want to do is get more control over the energy we're using to get what we want. You have a say in what emotions and energy you're going to use to fuel your goals and you can certainly fuel them from a place of competitiveness or scarcity that might get you there, but you can also fuel them from a space of being a problem solver and a leader that will also get you there. Learning how to act as if the goal is already yours is a skill and it takes time, a lot of awareness and a commitment to thinking intentionally. You're going to have to know how to uncover your current beliefs and how to rewrite and reprogram them. If this interests you and you wanna learn how to do it, I highly encourage you to check out our group program. I know many of you are already creating amazing results with just the podcast and the journal questions. But when you have a coach as a support system, You'll amaze yourself at how much faster you can move through this. Because once you learn how to do this in one area of your life, you get to replicate it everywhere else. For me, it started with my weight loss journey. But once I knew how to act as if, I started to use it to change how I was showing up at work, I used it to figure out how to create a side hustle, and then I used it to figure out how to become a public speaker. Once you know how to do this, you can never unknow it. The brain cannot always tell the difference between what is real and what is just imagination. So by playing pretend, you kind of trick your brain into believing that you are already that person who has what you want. Going back to the example of losing weight, I remember looking at people who I thought were healthy and I assumed that they must just feel healthy and that they must feel light. And the mistake that I made was thinking that I wouldn't feel healthy or light until I reached my goal. When I started believing that I could feel healthy and light on the way to my goal, it made changing my behavior so much easier. I started paying more attention to the mind and body connection And I found that some days I did feel light inside despite the number on the scale. I started looking at what I was eating on those days and considering how I was moving and I just started replicating what I noticed. Slowly but surely I started generating that feeling on the way to my goal and I am super proud to say that now I identify as a healthy person. My friends and family will tell you that I tend to eat well, and when we spend time together, they usually anticipate when I'm around that I'm gonna make it a point to eat fruits and vegetables and get in some sort of exercise. But I didn't have to wait to feel healthy and light until after I established these habits. Instead, I had to purposefully generate those feelings even when I was heavier. Do you see the difference here? Do you see that they are two completely separate things? Like I said, the brain can't always tell the difference between what's real and what's imagined. For example, when my niece wants to play princess, she literally believes that in that moment, she is a princess. This is why kids have so much fun playing pretend. There was the study done at the University of Minnesota's Institute of Child Development and they found that children persevered at a task longer when they pretended to be a heroic character. They call it the Batman Effect. When you pretend to be someone else, you actually have a little bit of mental distance from the situation. Alyssa Muison, hopefully I said that right, she's a PhD at the U of M says, psychological distance means we're less emotionally involved and more able to use our executive function skills, like working towards a goal or controlling our impulses. All right, so get this, by playing pretend, you get to drop your logical side for a moment and just revel in showing up as your best self. I think this is why so many people recommend visualization, especially when it comes to goal setting. It helps you detach yourself slightly from the drama of the day so that you can consider how the best version of you would show up. Now you can judge me if you want, but I actually play pretend all of the time. As you very well know by now, I love to journal. And one exercise that I do regularly, usually once a week or every other week, is I write about my future self and I pretend to be her. I do these exercises where I imagine what characteristics she has, I imagine what she's doing, I paint a picture of what she looks like when she's doing certain tasks. And the other thing that I do regularly is if I have shown up in a way that I usually haven't before, if I do have an example of where I showed up as a better version of myself, I make sure to write it down so that I remember it. And so my brain knows that that was important. And so I reiterate that that is something that I want to do again. It's amazing looking back at some of these past journal entries and seeing what has come true and what's still in process. So in preparation for today's episode, I actually pulled some examples. So a couple things that I wrote. I wrote, my future self doesn't use failure as an excuse to go off the rails. So this was in regards to weight loss. And I started noticing a pattern that anytime I failed on something, I just wanted to eat over it. So on this page, I wrote all about my future self and how she handles her failures. And I'm proud to tell you that a lot of those things that I wrote years ago, those are now my normal practice for handling failure. And I'll tell you another secret, because I'm handling my failure in a healthy way, as opposed to eating over it, I am more open to trying things and failing. And that has helped me launch this business and also become a public speaker. Another thing that I wrote I was imagining my future self, and I said she has standards for how she will eat. And I wrote a whole page about how my future self doesn't eat while driving in her car, she doesn't eat while standing in front of the fridge. And I'm Definitely someone who doesn't eat in her car anymore, but every once in a while I still snack in front of the fridge. So that one is still in process. Other things I wrote was that she owns her actions and her words. I wrote that she knows she cannot change her husband, but that she can always change her reaction. This is another one that is in process. I have a lot of evidence and proof that I am showing up as a less reactive partner. And I'm still very likely to spew off in the future so if my husband is listening I am working on it I love you I will keep practicing this one until it takes hold other things that I wrote was I wrote a whole page About my future self's ideal schedule. I literally wrote out what her calendar would look like And this was a fun one because as soon as I started exploring it there were a few things in my day-to-day that I saw I could change right away In another play pretend journal entry, I answered the questions, when I reach my business goal, how will I structure my team and what systems will be in place? And so this is amazing because I'm just playing pretend and having fun and it's light. But in reality, when I get to those stages in my business, some of these systems have already been brainstormed. So A, I get to have fun imagining, but B, some of my work is already done ahead of time. Like i mentioned before sometimes i just go back and browse my old journals and i spend time celebrating the times that i did show up as i wanted to instead of reacting as i normally did and seeing this evidence has been super motivating if you're getting a little bit motivated listening to this exercise i want to tell you we've got you covered pop on over to our website and get your hands on this week's journal questions and you can start doing this for yourself as well you can get them at annahavillana.com backslash journal that's a double n a j a v as in versatile e double dot com backslash journal all right my friends i love you all keep going Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Addicted to Busy. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.